Welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast, where today's brightest minds in the medical device industry go to get their most useful and actionable insider knowledge, direct from some of the world's leading medical device experts and companies. How many of you are working with quality and regulatory consultants? Are you asking your consultants the right questions before you hire them to do work for you, whether that be implement a quality system or put together a 510K? Well, you're going to hear from a couple of pros, myself included, on this episode of the Global Medical Device Podcast, where I talk to Allison Komiyama. Allison's with Acknowledge Regulatory Strategies. Uh, she's been doing this a long time as well and does a lot of consulting. So she and I talk a little bit about some of the tips and pointers and, and key questions that you should consider uh, before hiring consultants to help you with quality and regulatory work. Hello, and welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Last time I, I got to, to talk with our guest today, you know, we had a great time. I'm just going to confess every time I, I talk with Alison Komiyama from Acknowledge Regulatory Strategies, uh, she and I just, we, we find ourselves laughing. And, and, and folks, I guess that's good because you got a quality person uh, and a regulatory person who are having a good time with what we're doing. And um, Allison, w- welcome to the Global Medical Device Podcast. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me back. Well, you threw out this idea uh, recently, and I think it's a good one. Like, what questions should I, as a medical device company, be asking when I'm looking for a consultant? And and it's really kind of insightful, and and I think it's important too because there's a lot of important aspects of that. So I, I know you had some initial ideas about what you had in mind when when you threw that idea out. So what what are you thinking about this? Sure. And I, I guess it was um, the, the past two weeks, I've had many calls. I think everyone's all of a sudden coming to, I don't know, was, was there a big you know, milestone that people hit and funding, fundraising that just happened? Because I feel like all of a sudden people are looking for regulatory consulting. <laughs> so, yeah. um, and, and that's sort of what uh, brought that the topic to the forefront of my mind. You know, I, I just feel like I deal with a lot of uh, small startups and a lot of medical device companies that are, you know, shopping around for regulatory consultants. And I think you know, I'd love to hear your opinion too about, you know, the quality side of things, uh, because I sometimes feel like they're asking the wrong questions. And so part of my job in that, you know, half an hour to an hour, you know, free conversation, you know, consulting uh, hour that I give is just to sort of talk about, hey, don't just stop here. You know, I'd love for you to use me as your regulatory person, but I encourage you to go out and talk to two, three, four more people. Right. You know, get their opinion on your device. I might not be the right fit, um, you know, and, and ask the right questions. And so I try and uh, supply them with some questions that they can take and, um, you know, use for other consultants and figure out, you know, where's the, where's the right consultant for me? Yeah. So you said sometimes you get asked questions and you're like, dude, you're not even asking the right question. So um, does something jump to the top of your mind as, as an example of, of a question that may not be the right question? You know, especially for FDA regulatory submissions, I think one of the questions I get is uh, that I, I just don't think is really the right one to ask or start with is, have you done the uh, a submission for this exact type of device? Because I do, you know, uh, some companies will find... Uh, 
our consulting company through going through the FDA database and finding, you know, looking at the predicates, looking at their competitors and saying, oh, hey, Allison, you know, or somebody over at Acknowledge Regulatory Strategies did a 510K uh, for this, you know, our predicate. So let's call her up. And while that's a great <laughs> idea, you know, it's like, okay, yeah, we clearly we have familiarity in that product um, device type. Uh, the issue with that is, you know, that's not always the right um, fit still, you know, like, I think the question to ask is, um, you know, how many submissions have you worked on recently? Because yeah. I do think the regulations change, you know, while the 510k process has been around for a long time, the regulations change weekly sometimes, right? So, you know, FDA keeps... Um, their interpretation, like sort of, right? sort of the, yeah, <laughs> right, right. Exactly. So, I mean, one time I, I, I even gave another, uh, a small company that called us up. I said, hey, you know, I don't think I'm actually the right fit for you. Here are three other consultants just based on the type of device you have that I think would be a better fit because I know they do a lot of submissions that might include the type of testing that you're looking at doing. So I think asking, you know, how familiar are you with the type of submission that we're going to need. Um, you know, of course, price is important, but I don't think that should be the only thing. Of course, you want to pay more if you know that the job's going to get done correctly and get through FDA faster, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, just understanding the, the comfort that your consultant has um, with those types of submissions. I think with that said, I think also just being comfortable with your consultant. You know, you have to like the person you're dealing with. Oh, for sure. I, you know, I sometimes feel like companies will come to me and say, hey, we had a consultant and they've fought us. You know, they, they pushed us and had us do these things that we didn't really feel comfortable doing. And now we've gotten this horrible NSE letter from FDA. Can you help us? You know, we, we think part of the issue might have been the consultant. And so... Um, you know, I always, I always, you know, question, you know, whatever, what went down, what happened, but at the same time, you know, you have to feel, have a good rapport with your consultant and know that they're going to be a good liaison for you with the agency. And also that, you know, they're just going to be kind of a coach for you as well. No, those are really good points. Um, I mean, folks, when you, when you bring a consultant on board, um, the, the consultant should, you should view them as an extension of your team. Um, I mean, um, at least in my experience, you know, I, I consulted for 10 years before starting Greenlight. And I never liked the word consultant um, yeah. personally, because I think it has a lot of uh, negative connotations as a lot of baggage. Uh, you know, the, the classic view of, of a consultant is somebody who's, who's going to come into your business and they're going to try to stay as long as they can. And they're going to try to, you know, all, you're, you're going to be a source of revenue or income for them for as long as possible. And, you know, if, if your consultant isn't adding value to the thing that you're doing, then it's probably not a real good fit. You know, if, if they're just, they're, they're part of your team and they need to feel like part of your team. They don't, they shouldn't be, they shouldn't feel like an expense that you have to incur because you've signed a, you know, a long-term contract with them. That's very well said. Yeah. I mean, you, you want to have them feel like uh, they're part of your team. They care about your device. They care about what you're trying to do and the, you know, the goals of your company and your mission statement. So I'm always curious to find out like, okay, what, you know, what are you trying to do? What's your long, you know, goals for this, this company, for this device? Um, I also like to always understand the backstory of the device. You know, oftentimes... Right. For a lot of these companies that have a, you know, that might be a small startup or that have one product that they are, you know, it's a team of 
three or four people, this is sometimes their PhD project, right? This is sometimes their their baby that they're trying to get to FDA. And it's it's you know, I'm, if I'm going to hold your baby, I'm going to take care of it. I'm not going to, you know, I don't oh, yeah. want someone to be like, <laughs> throw the kid around. So, you know, and, and I think consultants, especially in the regulatory field, I don't know, I, I think it's such a cool pl- space to be in because... I find consultants are very collaborative. I mean, even I've worked with other regulatory consultants. Sometimes there'll be two or three of us on a file and we all have very different personalities, but the collaboration between the consult, the regulatory consultants has been, um, you know, I I don't know. It's unparalleled. I I just feel like there's not not so much competition in this field. Maybe it's because there's a lot of demand for consultants. You know, you don't want to hire someone for $175,000 a year. Right. Your regulatory person, if you know all you got to do is get this, you know, maybe all you got to do is get this through FDA. And then, um, you know, your regulatory person might not be, um, you know, 20 or, you know, 24 seven, like we are sometimes. Right. So, you know, I, I think making sure that you, that you're, Regulatory consultant plays well with everyone at your company, but also plays well with your other consultants. You know, I I work with you guys. I work with um, some of the con- the quality consultants that you guys work with, and I find that if there's a collaborative energy between um, all of us, it really helps the device get to market faster. I, I totally agree. I mean, and because and I like what you said about a company, the company that we, that you consult with. You know, understanding what they're you know, the big picture is what it is that they're actually trying to do. And if the company says, well, we're trying to get a 510K cleared, I mean, okay, that's that's a tactic that they're trying to, to do. That's a specific set of activities. But there's got to be a bigger picture um, beyond just getting 510K clearance. I mean, hopefully, um, I know it sounds silly to say, but hopefully what they're trying to do is improve quality of life in some way, shape, or form since they are designing and developing and and eventually plan to manufacture and sell a medical device. Exactly. Yeah. But you said another key thing, you know, the collaboration. You know, like I said, this the consultant that you bring on your on your, on your team, they are a team member. Um, you know, sometimes they're a player coach, so to speak. You know, sometimes you bring in expertise to, to fill a gap and knowledge that maybe you and and the other people at your company don't have. And and I think there are some important things that, that you as medical device company hiring a consultant should be doing to, to properly vet that. And you've hinted at a few of them. I mean, familiarity with uh, the device space from a regulatory perspective is, is pretty important. Um, but maybe more important, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is um, familiarity with current uh, FDA and, and other regulatory body best practices and expectations, that's probably more important than, than being familiar with a specific type of device or technology. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think if you looked at the guidance documents that have been recently coming out from FDA, they've, been, they've had a big push in the past uh, four or five years. Uh, and I think this has a lot to do with the the user fee or the Medufa goals that they're pushing forward with is they really are trying to make sure that um, FDA guidance is getting to industry and also to FDA reviewers and to the medical device you know manufacturers themselves faster you know so we all can be on the same page and understand what the expectations are for these files and or for specific devices I mean they do have device specific guidance and I think with that 
understanding what's changing, you know, and, and really we, we get in our inboxes every day, um, you know, the new guidance documents. And we actually, we've ins- instituted a journal club and it's, it speaks to uh, my, my days in graduate school where we yeah. sit around and we talk about an interesting journal, journal article that comes out. We do a guidance journal club. And so every guidance that comes out, um, we sit around, we, you know, everyone reads it beforehand. We come with questions and we talk about the guidance documents because I feel like that helps um, internally at, at the company here. We understand wh- how that's going to impact our clients. You know, so understanding the, you know, not only what's changing with the regulations because those take a little you know, longer to actually change, but to understand the guidance and how FDA is interpreting the regulations is critical to understand to uh, you know to really give uh, that consulting or that knowledge to our clients. You know, I, I knew that you like to have a good time, but I had no idea that you sat around and, and read guidance documents. But it's a really good point, folks, because um, you know I'm subscribed to all the e- email updates from FDA, and and I know Allison is too. Is, Every time there's a new guidance document, and, and in the past couple of weeks, there have been a ton, ton yeah. uh, a ton. And, and so that's my job. That's Allison's job to, to be up to speed with state-of-the-art and current thinking. And I, I, I know some of you out there are thinking, yeah, but it's a guidance document. It's not regulation. Okay, let me paint a picture for you. Yeah, uh, theoretically, you are correct. The, the regulation is the, quote, law. But... The guidance, you know, some people are like, oh, it's optional. Okay, it is. It is the current represents the current interpretation of the law from from the agency. So it's not really optional, you know. So just keep that in mind. It is an accepted best practice that is folks at the FDA and and oftentimes uh, folks in industry have collaborated on to to define these these guidances, these these best practices, these expected behaviors. So they're not really optional. Yeah. And I would even say the draft guidances. I mean, sometimes they, you know, we'll find a draft guidance from 2010, you know, it's like, hang on, why is this yeah. still in draft format? But FDA reviewers will still use it. I mean, uh, which is great for us. You know, I, I feel like even if there's draft, if there's something out there that we can understand better how the agency is thinking about things, it really can benefit, um, you know, our our process. So, yeah, I think staying up to date with those and understanding how FDA is interpreting the regulations is, you know, very valuable. Yeah, um, in my world, I sometimes hear I hear stories. Sometimes I am the recipient of the story, but uh, about uh, con- and you, you've had it as well. You mentioned a couple even today, but you know the consulting experience gone bad, and um, you know, folks, I assure you, um, there are there are people out here in the quality and regulatory space who provide fantastic consulting services that our interest is to help you learn what you need to learn to help, you know, ensure that your company has the necessary processes and procedures and documentation place and ultimately to help you get your product to market and ideally make sure that that product is as safe and as effective as it could possibly be. But I hear stories about, Oh, I worked with this guy or this, this gal. And, and I originally hired that person because, you know, they, they they said they have 29 years of experience and and I'm like well what else did you ask I'm like well they've been doing it for 29 years I'm like okay you you gotta go <laughs> gotta dig below the surface you can't just stop there you have to understand all right number one is were those any of those 29 years of experience 
do they pertain to anything that you, you need them to do? Just because they've been in the industry and they've been around for a while doesn't automatically make them a good candidate. No, absolutely. I think even when you're looking at contract manufacturers, right, it's important to know, are they comfortable with medical devices? <laughs> you know, there are a lot of contract manufacturers yeah. that are that are um, breaking into the space, which is fabulous. I mean, I think it's it's been good to have the, um, you know, the breadth of, uh, of different types of, of manufacturers out there because you want, again, you want to shop around and find the right one for you. But just because you have a ton of experience, uh, you know, or, uh, you know, many, many years of experience, make sure it's the right type of experience for your company. Yeah. And check references. Yeah. Every, every consultant, every contract manufacturer, um, you know, do your homework. Um, you know, there are review sites that are out there um, that you can find, you know, for some of the larger firms and larger organizations. But, but even with that, every consultant should have, you know, a body of knowledge, a, a list of customers that they're willing to provide to you upon request as a reference. Um, you know, and, and make sure that when you get that reference that you want to, you're trying to compare that, that, customer reference, ideally, you want them to be as, as close to apples and apples as what you're wanting from this particular consulting resource. Um, and if not, try to try to find another customer reference that can kind of match similar uh, circumstances that you're in. But you know, really, get your finger on the pulse. Really try to understand who this person is because you're going to spend a, you know, a decent amount of money with them. They're going to be doing things for your business that are going to be put in front of FDA uh, and the worst possible outcome, you know, specifically for things like, like submissions is, is you get that NSE letter and you got to start all the way over. That's, that's no fun. I mean, I know you're going to help this company out that got the NSE letter, but Oh my goodness. I mean, consultants don't like to do that. I mean, I, I, whenever I got called to, to pick up the, the uh, a flaming dog turd from something else that went <laughs> bad, um, it's not fun. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So I've hit you with a couple of things. What questions do you have for me from, from more of the quality side of things? So I, I, you know, I'm very honest when people come to me and say, well, can you also do our quality system for us? And I, that was a service that we used to provide. And honestly, we just weren't doing enough of them, right? We weren't implementing enough quality systems that I didn't feel comfortable saying, all right, yeah, sure, we can do that for you. Because yeah. I think... It, you know, their their needs are better met by someone who does quality systems day in and day out. You know, one of the things that I do recommend is that they, you know, talk to, again, multiple uh, consultants, try and find the right fit. But I'm curious for, for you, John, like, what did you find, um, you know, for, for the quality system side? I know there's different questions that should be asked. You know, what are the questions that uh, medical device manufacturers should be asking, you know, either to... Um, the quality consultant or also quality software? Because I know that there are many, you know, there are programs that people can choose from. Sure. What should they be asking to, to get the right answers? Yeah, I love the question. So uh, I think a lot of times people, um, you know, similar to you, I think they're asking the wrong question. The, the question that I seem to get asked the most is how much does it cost uh, when they're looking at, like, for example, evaluating Greenlight? Because sometimes Greenlight, Guru, EQMS software, and the support services that we provide is being compared uh, side by side with a consultant, and and oftentimes the 
the the dollar amount difference between the two is is not dramatically different. I mean, they're same order of magnitude a lot of times, and and so my um, my recommendation to companies that are you know evaluating a consultant to help build and establish a quality management system versus uh, hiring Greenlight Guru and, and implementing the EQMS platform that we've built. Um, at the end of the day, when the consultant has finished the the implementing the quality system, the procedures, forms, templates, and that sort of thing, what format is, is it in? And did they did they build a system to check a box, or did they build a system that can be sustainable and that can grow with you as a business? And um, I mean, it's a little bit tough. Um, um, this might be a somewhat controversial response, but if you're working with a consultant that is not that is only interested in getting a paycheck, that's only interested in checking the box, that's only interested in helping you get ISO certification, and and not interested in in helping teach you what you need to know for your quality system to be managed and maintained by you and your executive team, they're doing you a disservice. Yes, they they may accomplish that initial objective to get that certification or get through this audit or inspection or whatever the case may be. But, you know, quality is something that, that the top management and in, in every medical device company needs to, to embrace. They need to um, be knowledgeable and, and have a, a working competency when, when it comes to uh, quality management systems, because it's not just procedures, it's, it really should be a way of life within a company. And, you know, to your point earlier as well, you know, Greenlight, we, we have a whole host of partners that we work with. Um, some of the companies we work with, they're just looking for, you know, a solution. They've got the in-house expertise. Other times they they want, excuse the expression, a little bit more hand-holding through the process. And, you know, sometimes our, the Greenlight Guru team can can help do some of that hand-holding. Sometimes they need a lot more hand-holding um, than we're equipped for internally. So we'll partner with uh, a quality system consultant. There are plenty of people in that regard. So I think it's really about you know making sure that that the source or the solution that you choose is is gonna is gonna be there for you and grow with you as a company, not just check a box. That's that's really the first thing that I think is really important. Yeah, that's very interesting because I you know I've done some quality audits of companies and what I found one of the the hardest things for small medical device manufacturers in particular is that they would end up with this quality system that was massive, you know, and it was like, who did you use? It was like this one, you know, one size fits all quality system, but it was built for a, you know, a a company that had 500 products, but oh they only goodness. had one thing, you know, it was like, oh my gosh, the, the amount of burden that that consultant has put on your company. And it's hard to back out of that, right? I mean, yeah. at least that's my understanding. It was like, oh my gosh, to try and get rid of some of this burden is way more, <laughs> it's going to take you a lot more time than yeah. you had expected. And that, that's been hard for me looking at, you know, here are the documents I need, but it takes, you know, five change orders and a, <laughs> and a you know, an act of God for something to come through and uh, be, be updated in the quality system. Yeah. And, and that kind of reminds me of, a, of another common thing that, that I've come across uh, throughout my career. Um, uh, and, and I'm not saying these are these are good people. Don't mishear me. But sometimes the start when I hear a startup is like, oh, I heard this quality this consultant that's going to help build a quality system, and the person worked for Medtronic or J and J or Boston Scientific. They've worked for them for 
for 29 years. <laughs> Keep going back to 29. I don't know what the number 29 <laughs> means, but well, um, those are all great companies, right? It's like, yeah, that's that's great, but <laughs> yeah. So so then, I'm like, you, yeah, you, that's a. I mean, probably knows their stuff. Probably knows, you know, the regulations inside and out. Uh, however, have have any of those people ever built a quality management system for a, your a three person startup? Yeah, um, because there's a difference. Um, and to your point, I mean, if they bring the the Medtronic way of doing things to your three person startup, you know, your every document that you implement is going to require you know five different change orders or you know or this this burden that really is is not going to fit your business. Um, it's going to bring your, it's going to cripple your business. It's, it's going to stifle, you know, certainly productivity. Uh, it's going to create a lot of, of uh, red tape, a lot of bureaucracy. And I think that, that sometimes this is why people don't like uh, quality systems. This is why they don't like regulations, not because the regulations are bad, but because their particular experience um, with respect to, you know, how it was implemented within their company wasn't right size for that company. Yeah, perfectly said. I agree. Yeah, I was going to say the other part of the the, the you asked, you know, so that if sometimes Greenlight is compared against other uh, other software tools that are out there, and you know, I guess just buyer beware that that a lot of the the options that are in front of you. I mean, you can go the the low cost, low barrier to entry price point. There's certainly some options there that are available. Uh, you can also spend a little bit more, but the key thing that you'll need to to f- factor in is how much time are you, are you going to have to spend customizing and configuring that software tool to meet your needs? Mm-hmm. If you are going to, if you're willing to spend the you know the six, nine, sometimes twelve months to customize and configure that software to meet your needs, do you have the expertise that you need to do it? Uh, if you have that expertise, if you're spending that much time, effort, and energy customizing and configuring a software tool, uh, what is not getting done? I mean, is your product submission going to be delayed? Um, so those are three questions that I think are really important for people to, to get a firm understanding of that. And that's one of the things that I, I do think makes us different at Greenlight is you know, we're ready out of the box. There's no customization, no configuration required. Um, you know, we, we have different packages available where, you know, we can augment your, your in-house knowledge on, on quality. You know, if you need something more than we're providing, again, we're working with different partners. If you need regulatory resources, we're going to give Allison and acknowledge regulatory strategies a ring and, and get you in touch with her and, and her team as well. So, you know, it's, it's really, you know, trying to build a system that's right size, but can, can scale and grow. Yeah, and I think you guys provide what I love is the wealth of information that you guys have for free on your website. I I check in just to see what what new uh, you know blogs that you've put up, and they've been very valuable for my customers as well. Which is oh, that's great to hear. Yeah, great I think to hear. You, brought up, you brought up a funny point or uh, something that made me uh, think of a funny story about you know their first question is often like how much is this going to cost me, and that's a fair question, right? Like everyone wants to know. Sure. How long is this going to take, and how much is it going to cost me? And I, I remember a, a client or a potential client that came and said, "Hey, listen, I found a consultant that can do it for a third of what you're saying you can do it for." And I said, "Oh my gosh, go with them! You know, if, they, if you really feel like they can do the job, and you really like that consultant, 
choose them, you know, sign that consulting agreement because I can't, I can't, you know, work for that price, but, you know, I hope it's, I hope it's the right fit for you. And, and not, not even, you know, I wasn't being rude at all. I was just right. like, that's really great. And, and, you know, let me know if you need help, but otherwise go forward. You know, yeah. I, I just wonder, you know, for some of the work, you got to make sure that you're getting the quality work that you deserve for your product, right? It's like, again, if this is your baby, make sure that you're vetting multiple, you know, consultants and figuring out who's the right fit for me. They might not be necessarily the cheapest, you know, they might be the $900 an hour consultant, but if you feel comfortable with them, then spend the money to get the work done right and right the first time. It, yeah, I think that's important. I mean, sometimes that the, the, the cheapest solution seems attractive, um, but again, buyer buyer beware a little bit because yeah. you know the the low cost option isn't always the best option because what's hidden in sometimes not always but uh, oftentimes what's hidden in that that low cost option is it may take that person or that tool or that or that choice that you make <laughs> it may take you three or four times longer <laughs> right. um, with that option and and so pretty soon even though it seemed like it was going to be less expensive in the beginning it becomes the most expensive choice that you could have made um, rather than going with, um, you know, the value is the toughest thing to measure. And it, it is a really, in my world, in Allison's world, you know, demonstrating that value, demonstrating that return on investment is, 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 a, is a tricky thing. Um, you know, we all say, we're going to help you get your product to market faster. But, you know, how are you ever going to measure that, you know? Yeah, because we're we're dealing with uncertainties like FDA sometimes. So yeah, but um, you know, you, you know it really comes down to you just got to do your homework. Yeah. Another question for you because I get this a lot of, when I ask a company, "Hey, how's your quality system? You know, have you been working on your design controls?" And they say, "Oh yeah, we've we have everything in Excel, and you know." We're just going to do that oh my gosh. forever. What do you, what, how, you know, how do you respond to that when a, when a potential customer says that to you? Well, um, I lived that dream for, um, gosh, probably 15 years of my career before starting Greenlight where, you know, and I, I go back to the story. Uh, I was like 20, I think I was 23, um, first job out of school, product development engineer. And I was working on some sort of central venous catheter device. And uh, I was a project manager. And, and it was the first project that, uh, as project manager uh, that, was, that I was under my watch that was going to be submitted as a 510K. And, you know, this is back in, in the late 90s. So I'm dating myself a little bit. But um, we, we didn't... A traceability matrix wasn't... A, there wasn't... It was very uncommon. Let's just say people. It wasn't a, an expected best practice. Then we, you know, we we've had file cabinets with drawers and binders, and you know, yeah, we typed Word documents and Excel documents and things like that. But everything found its way into a paper uh, format and into a binder. And I just had this this feeling or this this idea. Um, it was my first five ten k. I wanted to make sure every, make sure everything was good, and so. I thought I invented a traceability matrix. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, lined up my user needs and inputs and outputs and, you know, all my design controls to make sure everything was, there were no gaps basically. And this was a week before the 510K submission. Um, so pretty late in the process. And, you know, we already, we were putting together, you know, all the different sections of the 510K and I had discovered a, a huge gap. Um, and you'll appreciate this from your background. Uh, we had forgotten, to, or rather, I had forgotten to do 
a particular biocompatibility test. I think it was sensitization or something like that. I don't remember the exact test, but um, but it was missing. And you know, dollars for donuts, you know, that was going to be expected from FDA. You, you don't submit a 510K for a central venous catheter and have missing biocompatibility evidence. Uh, so I had to go tell my boss uh, that I, I had forgotten it and that it was going to be an eight-week test and it was going to cost, you know, like $15,000. You know, and here we were a week away. So not the kind of news that you want to deliver uh, at any age, especially on your first uh, project that's, that's going to be submitted as a 510K. But, you know, teams try to manage this in Excel and, and um, it's, it's unwieldy. Uh, it really is. Um, I mean, if you've ever done it in Excel before, you do it because you have to, not because you like to. You do it because you're trying to make sure everything, you don't have stories like what I just shared where there's a gap. And I've talked to so many project managers over, over the past 20 years. I mean, they're spending 10, 15 hours a week on, per, on, you know, on a per project basis, keeping this Excel traceability matrix up to date with the current state of things. Because things are very dynamic, especially when you're iterating and prototyping and, and doing bench testing, that sorts of thing. Keeping your, your Excel spreadsheet up to date with all those permeations, it's a nightmare. And, and yeah. engineers and project managers, um, like I said, they, they kind of accept it as, as the pain that comes with the job, but it doesn't have to be painful doesn't have to be painful. I think that should be your guys' new tagline. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, mean, I mean, for that, <laughs> I mean, for that, that exact scenario, that's, that's what, that's what motivated me to start Greenlight. Um, yeah, so because, what happened? Did you get fired or what? No, I didn't get yeah. fired. Uh, uh, I mean, the, I interrupted my boss at, at lunch um, he was reading a book. Um, I don't know if it was War and Peace, but it was a thick book. Uh, he slammed it shut. A, a book is for, for, I'm joking a little bit. Um, a, a book is a thing that has pages, you know? So I know that maybe, uh, like, I don't think my kids know what, what a book is these days. I mean, even though all their coursework is on a computer. But anyway, he slammed the book shut and it was loud. And I, I swear he, 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 reached his arm back like he was getting ready to throw it at me. Now, he did not throw it at me, but <laughs> he was pretty pissed. Yeah. Um, you know, let's just say I didn't make that mistake ever again. I, I, I went into Excel hell on every project thereafter and made sure mm-hmm. that I didn't forget anything. Um, but again, that, that, the amount of time that I was spending updating Excel spreadsheets all the time, like, wait a minute, I, I'm a smart person. I have an engineering degree, for God's sake. Uh, why am I spending all this time just updating uh, Excel? I mean, I got a, a big brain that I, I'm, I'm capable of doing so much more than just updating spreadsheets. Uh, that's what motivated me to start Greenline. And, and that's you know the first uh, product that we rolled out five years ago was about addressing design controls in a much more simple manner that, that didn't require updating Excel. That's cool. I never, this is your origin story. I did not uh, know that. Uh, yeah, a little bit of the origin story, yeah. Were you 29? Just kidding. <laughs> that seems to be the, the magic no, number. <laughs> no, I wasn't 29, but there must have been something important that happened at 29. Um, but, so what about you? I mean, you, you get to deal with, uh, probably not so much Excel, but, but I imagine you get to deal with uh, a whole variety of things. I mean, what are some of the best practices that, that um, you would advise people to, you know, as they're working with a regulatory consultant to put together pre-subs and, and 510Ks of that nature? Any hot tips that you can share with the audience? 
You know, a lot of the documentation we use is straight from their quality system. I mean, the, you know, for the device description or, you know, for the substantial equivalence chart, a lot of the uh, the documentation that they've already put together with, you know, who are the competitors? You know, what are the, what are the, um, the user needs? You know, some of those things are very valuable when we go to put together a pre-submission or your 510K or your PMA. So it's, you know, having that information and working, uh, you know, with your consultant to get the information that they're asking for, yeah. uh, you know, it's, it makes our jobs a lot easier. Um, you know, when you have, when you have some clean documentation on your side. For sure. For sure. And, and, you know, folks, I, th- I think one of the things I just heard Allison say, I mean, you know, sometimes correct me if I'm wrong, but she's working from documents that are in your quality system uh, so that implies that you have one. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, this is a, something that it kind of irks me, if I'm being honest. Uh, I'll talk to a company and they're like, well, you know, uh, it's what you have at Greenlight is cool. And, and, you know, yeah, I, I get the design control workflow that you have and risk and all that sort of thing. But we haven't, we haven't really started formally documenting that yet. It's, we're keeping some some good lab notebooks, and, and you know the next milestone that we're focused on is is our 510k submission, and and we'll get to the design history file and the design controls after we do our 510k, and it just it just drives me crazy. So I don't know if that drives you crazy or not, but but it it really does irk me. So do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah, no, there are a number of companies that are like, you you know, 510K is our first milestone. And then we're going to put our, you know, design controls and our design history file together. And it's like, oh, okay, that's terrifying. Um, You know, there's, uh, I don't want to say there's nothing wrong with it. I think, you know, the, you know, FDA is not going to come knocking on your door until you've registered and listed your device, you know, when that comes after you have uh, a device that's cleared or um, granted if you have a de novo or approved if you have a PMA, but at the same time, or actually take that back, PMA, they are going to come inspect you before <laughs> before yeah. you get approval. Um, you know, but to have uh, a working quality system or even just the, the start of one that you've, you know, you know, started to put together at least, at least with your design controls, um, can really help you, uh, you know, once you get that clearance to go market the next day, you know, like you could really turn things around and have um, everything ready to go. And I think it's, you know, you do yourself a disservice by not even thinking about uh, your quality system um, before your FDA submission time. So, yeah. And and I think the part that irks me about it is um, I've seen it too, too many times um, and I've made, Hear me out. I've made plenty of money fixing problems of companies that didn't do it because a lot of times when the company says, oh, we'll get to the design controls and we'll update this and we'll do that after we do our submission. Sometimes they don't do it and yeah. and they just let it go because they move on to the next project or, you know, the, the next, you know, hot thing that's that's on their plate. And um, you know, the best time to document all of your design control activities is while they're happening, not after the fact. Um, you know, it, 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 that's the whole premise behind design controls is is to be iterative with you, to be you know a, a tool um, for you to collaborate with your product development project team. And and uh, you know, like I said, I've I've been called in many times over the years company had an FDA inspection and you know the if you get a 510k device that it's your first device eventually you will have an inspection uh, yes. you may not believe me you may not believe Allison but it will happen 
And, and if it's your first product, of course, they're going on that inspection. They are going to evaluate your quality management system. You don't have to believe me. You can wait and see. <laughs> but they are also <laughs> going to look at your design history file. And if you don't have one, that's going to be a significant red flag. Most definitely a 483 could you know, even escalate above and beyond that. And then, like I said, I've been called many times uh, from companies in that situation and, and they need to uh, remediate and, and retrospectively document design control activities. And, and that's not fun. That's not a fun activity as a consultant. And as a company, I, I hope that you don't put yourself in that position. Yeah, I don't know about you, but my memory, I take notes of, you know, for any phone call because I sometimes can't remember some of the stuff that I, you know, talked on the phone about yesterday. I know. So tomorrow, I might not remember this call. Sorry, I know. That's, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll record it and, and it'll be available for you to listen to anytime you want. Remind myself. I mean, that's the crazy thing is trying to retrospectively put together a design history file. Like, oh, when was that conversation that we talked about that design or that user need? And then we, oh, when was that? You know, it's like, oh my yeah. gosh, I'm not going to remember any of that stuff. You know, I mean, like, I mean, and it's, there, there's one of the design control clauses, design and development planning. How in the world can you plan something after it's already happened? I mean, I guess your planning should be very good at that point. But uh, anyway, any other thoughts uh, that, that you want to share about questions or things that people should consider before they uh, uh, bring on a consultant? Um, I think, you know, as long as the consultant is comfortable with how you want to do things. I know there are a lot of consultants that say, Hey, listen, we, all we expect from you is you give us everything and we're going to do your file for you. And, you know, there's going to be minimal interaction with us. And I think for a lot of the small startup companies I work with, I encourage them to be very involved with their file. You know, I say, we're happy to do the heavy lifting. If you want us to do the whole file, we'll do it for you. But I love it when people want to be involved in the process because it actually gives them more insight into what FDA is caring about. What yeah. is, you know, why should they be in, involved in their quality system? Because it is going to help them understand what's important. So I think having a, a company involved with either if they want to be involved in the writing process, you know, to have them do a lot of the editing and to, to review the file as we go along, I find that to be very rewarding for a lot of the companies. Again, some companies are like, we don't want to even touch it. Please just do it for us, submit it, and you know, let us know how it goes. Um, you know, let us know if FDA has questions and we'll get you the documents you need. Um, but for a lot of companies, and I find it happening more and more, is again, this is their baby. They want to, you know, you know, work together on getting it into college. <laughs> so. Well, I, I think it's a good good tip, whether it's it's a, a regulatory submission or a, a quality system or design controls and design history file or risk management. Uh, you, as a medical device company, it is in your best interest to be an active participant in that because, like I said, you will be. And not that I should, I'm not trying to strike fear in your minds here, but, but do realize that you will have audits and inspections by, by suppliers, by customers, by regulatory agencies. And there's a good chance that Allison nor I will be there when that happens. So if you're relying on us to, to contain and, and retain that knowledge, uh, and we're not there when those, those types of events happen, um, it's going to raise a lot of those red flags during those audit situations. So uh, do yourself a favor and be an active participant. Well, Al Alice and I, like I said, I, 
I, I can't wait till we do this again. And, and I'm sure, I don't know what we're going to talk about, but I'm sure we'll have a good time. I want to <laughs> thank Allison Komiyama. Allison is with Acknowledge Regulatory Strategies. You can learn more about her and her consulting practice uh, on the beautiful internet, acknowledge-rs.com. Allison, thank you so much. John, thank you.